0: I'm Tommy Green, I'm an associate pastor here at Centerpoint, and this morning we're going to uh, finish up our series on parables—the hidden truths of God. As a matter of fact, inside your bulletin, you're going to find an insert with an outline on it entitled "The Sheep and the Goats." And if you need a pen to fill in the blanks as you follow along, if you just raise your hand, our ushers would love to come by and get you a pen. Now, this morning, as we talk about this parable, I want to uh, give you a warning: it is a uh, a message or a, a parable that is going to challenge us and it's going to uh, maybe get us out of our comfort zone a little bit. And so before we start this message, I want to have a word of prayer and then we'll get started. Will you pray with me? Father, we want to come before you this morning and I want to thank you so much, uh, Jesus, for your word. I want to thank you for your teachings that, Lord, they challenge us, that, Lord, they um, mold us, they make us who we are. And, Lord, I pray that today that, Lord, we would listen to your word with open uh, ears. um, That, Lord, you bring revelation. And that, um, Lord, you would uh, truly do a work in our hearts. So, Holy Spirit, I ask that you would speak through me and move me out of the way. And that uh, lives would be changed uh, forever in this room today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, the first point on your outline, point A, says this. Jesus told a parable of a shepherd separating sheep from goats to explain how he will separate faithful followers from unfaithful people. Jesus tells this parable in Matthew 25. He says, But when the Son of Man comes in his glory, and all the angels with him, then he will sit upon his glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered in his presence, and he will separate people as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. Then the king will turn to those on his left and say, Away with you, you cursed ones, into the eternal fire, prepared for the devil and his demons. For I was hungry and you didn't feed me. I was thirsty and you didn't give me a drink. I was a stranger and you didn't invite me into your home. I was naked and you didn't give me clothing. I was sick and in prison and you didn't visit me. Then they will reply, Lord, when did we ever see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and not help you? And he will answer, I tell you the truth, when you refuse to help the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you're refusing to help me. And they will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous will go into eternal life. Now Jesus used this illustration of a shepherd separating sheep from goats to illustrate how when he comes back at the end of the age that he will separate righteous people from unrighteous people, from faithful people, from unfaithful people. And when he was telling this illustration, the people that he was telling us to would have totally got this picture because uh, they lived in a culture where shepherds would allow sheep and goats to all be in the same herd. And so during the day, they would let the sheep and the goats graze upon the hillsides and upon the pastures and they would watch over them. But every night they would bring those that herd into a, a place and the shepherd would stand where there would be a holding pen on one side and a holding pen on the other, and he would separate the sheep onto to one holding pen and the goats onto the other because sheep and goat, don't, um, they don't bed down well together. And so this, was, this would be a picture that they would have had very vivid in their mind. Another thing that would have stood out to them is the fact that the sheep were the ones that were rewarded and the goats were the ones that were punished. And this is a note on your outline, and it's this, that sheep recognize, listen to, and obey their master's voice while goats are stubborn and resist being told what to do. Uh, sheep are the type of animals by their nature. They can recognize the sound of their master. And they can be out in the hills and being far away. And as long as they can hear their master's voice when he calls them, they'll come to him and do what he's asking them to do. Matter of fact, I, I found a video online of a, a shepherd that actually does he's out on a hillside. And he starts calling his sheep. I want you to to watch what happens. Come, you, come, you, come, you, come, you. May I, Mary, Mary, come, you, come, you, come, you, come, you. Oh, may I, Mary, 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 I mean, it's no wonder that Jesus describes our relationship with Him as him being a good shepherd, and we're the sheep. Because as the children of God, we're supposed to be able to recognize, to listen and to obey. What our Father is having and asking of us to do. Matter of fact, listen to what John ten twenty seven says. It says, "My sheep listen to my voice. I know them, and they follow me." So sheep are the type that will recognize, listen, and obey God's voice. But it's also true about goats in general uh, nature. Uh, they seem to be stubborn and resist being told what to do, and I know this firsthand. When I was in ninth grade, I was in ag, and our project that we had to do is we had to raise an animal from birth up uh, to when he was an adult, and my parents, for some crazy reason, allowed me to get a goat. And uh, I will tell you that uh, me and that goat went round and round, and he won most of the time. I remember one time he was out in our field, and it was time for me to bring him in at night to a holding pen that we had, and, and uh, I went out there, to, and he would not come. He, he would just not move. So I went and got a rope and I put it around his horn and I'm pulling on that goat. You know, I'm a little freshman in high school and I'm pulling on that goat and it won't budge. So about that time, I took that rope and I put it over on my shoulder and I turned my back to that goat. And all of a sudden, I felt that lying go slack. That rope went slack. And I turned around and that goat, he got me good. He ran me right upside the backside. Because goats don't like being told what to do. And listen to what John 10, 27 says. I'm sorry, what John 14, 24 says. Anyone who does not love me will not obey me. And remember, my words are not my own. What I am telling you is from the Father who sent me. So Jesus explains that there'll be sheep, there'll be goats, there'll be faithful, there'll be unfaithful people. And I want to just kind of bring this parable into into focus for us a little bit this morning. Because this is basically what he told uh, the people that were listening. That sheep and goats, they live together in one herd. And as humans, we all live in one big herd on this big blue planet. We live in the same cities. We go to the same schools. We shop at the same stores, and we even go to the same churches. But there will be a day when the daytime is over and night has come. In fact, this isn't on your outline, but I want you to write down John 9, 4. Jesus said this, As long as it is day, we must do the work of Him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. There will come a day at the end of the age where Jesus comes back and the daytime is over. And He will separate the sheep from the goat. He will separate the righteous from the unrighteous. And there will be those, just like in the story, who think they are the righteous ones. Who think they are sheep in all reality, they're goats. This is scary. This is, is, I mean, this parable that He's telling should wake us up because there are those who believe they'll be rewarded, but they won't. I believe one of the most dangerous teachings that we've had in the church is that all you have to do is say a prayer, believe in Jesus, and you're good. Your life doesn't have to change. There has to be no fruit in your life. You simply say some magical words and it gets you into heaven. I believe that's a dangerous teaching there's three things that we can learn from this outline, and the first one goes to that point and it 's that faith without action is not faith. this past summer and around July 4th our Shelley and I and our family got the opportunity to go back to Texas and we were with our family and and uh, uh, my little six year old is learning how to swim and he was around all of his cousins, and we were in this pool, and all of his cousins were jumping off the diving board. And they're all encouraging Ethan, e- jump off that diving board, jump off that diving board. And he would get to the edge, and, and he would run back, and he just he wasn't sure. So I went out there into the deep end, and I'm with him. I said, hey, Ethan, jump. I'll make sure that you make it to safety. I, I'm good. He goes, I, I said, do you believe that I will catch you? I'll make sure that you get He goes, yes, I believe that. And I said, jump. And he said, no. His words said that he trusted me. His actions said other things. said that he didn't. And faith without actions isn't faith. Every time I get the opportunity to obey God, I put my faith into action because I'm believing and trusting that he's good, he's in control, and that he's for me. Listen to what James 2, 14 through 20, how James puts this. It is dead and useless. Now, someone may argue, some people have faith, others have good deeds. But I say, how can you show me your faith if you don't have good deeds? I will show you my faith by my good deeds. You say you have faith, for you believe that there is one God. Good for you. Even the demons believe this. And they tremble in terror. How foolish. Can't you see that faith without good, good deeds is useless. There is a difference. Believe, in believing in Jesus. And having a relationship with Jesus. A relationship with Jesus. Produces. Good works. Because we become like the one that we're having a relationship with. Here's a note for us this morning. Good works are not the cause of salvation but the effect of salvation. I don't do good works to be accepted by God. I do good works because I am accepted by God. You know, I can say the Pledge of Allegiance with my hand all over my heart, and I can honor the flag, and I can celebrate Fourth of July and Thanksgiving and President's Day, But doing those things does not make me a U.S. citizen. I do those things because I am a U.S. citizen. And I honor our country and I'm proud to be an American. See, I don't do those things. Those things don't cause me to be an American. I do those things because I am. I don't do good works so I can become a Christian. I do good works because I am a Christian. 1 John 4, 7 says this. We love each other because he loved us first. My reflection of God is my love for you. When I love you, it's a reflection of God's love for me. And here's a life application for us this morning. Since, I want you to go ahead and underline or circle the word since. That means therefore or because. Since, we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus. And since, circle that word again. We have a great high priest over the house of God. Let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with full assurance that faith brings. Let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. Because the blood of Jesus, because we have a high priest, because of these things, let us encourage one another on towards love and on towards good deeds. The reason we do it is because we've been saved by Jesus, because God has been good to us. Here's another thing that we can pull out of this parable or learn from this parable and that is, faithful people follow Jesus' example of loving others. Ephesians 5, 1-2 says, Imitate God, therefore, in everything you do, because you are His dear, dear children. Live a life filled with love, following the example of Christ. He loved us and offered Himself as a sacrifice for us, a pleasing aroma to God. Jesus was willing to give up his comfort when he came from heaven, when he came to earth. When he left heaven and he came to earth. Okay? Jesus was willing to give up his time and to serve humanity. He was willing to put himself in uncomfortable situations and circumstances so that you and I could have a better and eternal life. And all he asked in return... As we do the same for each other, that's his only requirement. matter of fact is John 13:35 says this: "Your love for one another will prove to the world that you're my disciples." In Matthew, Jesus was asked this question, "Teacher, which is the most important commandment in the law of Moses?" And Jesus replied, "You must love the Lord your God with all of your heart, all of your soul and all of your mind." This is the first and greatest commandment. The second is equally important. I want you to underline equally important. But here's the first command, love God. Something that's just as equally important as this. Love your neighbor as yourself. The entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commands. 1 John 4.20 goes on to say, If we don't love people, we can see how can we love God whom we cannot see. See, our love for one another is truly a reflection of our love for God. If we say we love God and we worship God and we, 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 we're just in love with Jesus, we're in love with what He's done with us, but we don't show other people love, then the love of God isn't in us. Love is the good works. Love is the seeing your neighbor in need and you meeting that need. It's visiting someone in prison. It's caring for an orphan. It's caring for someone who can't care for themselves. When I was uh, in 1998, I got the privilege of marrying my lovely wife, Shelly. Happens to be our worship leader. And uh, 1998 just happened to be the second hottest summer recorded in the state of Texas. We had 54 days of temperatures over 100 degrees. And when Shelley and I rented our first little house, we had no idea that it didn't have any insulation. It was a hot summer. That same summer, we had an amazing outpouring of God's Spirit in our church. And people began to give their life to Jesus. People began to get right with the Lord, and one of those people that gave their life to Jesus and really began to have his life radically changed uh, was a friend of mine that I played uh, high school football with, and he and his wife came over to our house one night, and we're having supper, and we're talking, and it's like, we're like pouring sweat off of our our foreheads. I mean, it's so hot in there, and I told him, I said, listen, I am so sorry that it's this hot, you know, we, we didn't realize this house didn't have insulation, and everything and he left for the night and the next day he called me he said I'm gonna be over at your house next Saturday and we're gonna put insulation in your house I said you don't have to do that it's hot he goes I'm gonna be there at four o'clock in the morning he comes over to my house at four o'clock in the morning and we both get up in the attic it's still over 100 degrees in my attic and for four hours we begin to lay down insulation and we got down I told him I said man you did not have to come do that he said, you know what? God has changed my life. He's doing something in my life that I can't explain. How can I not do good things for other people? It impacted me. I Just this last week, I uh, had the opportunity to uh, sit down with a couple of people that are in a connect group together. And... uh one of them was telling me the story that um, he was out in his neighborhood and in his neighborhood. they get to ride around on golf carts, and he was visiting a few people, but he had a lot he had to do when he got home and He happened to see one of his other neighbors who happened to be in his connect group, and he was um, trying to drill holes for his uh, uh, post for his fence to put the post down and We saw him the auger was stuck in the ground he couldn 't get it out and And uh, he said, you know, I was really kind of busy, so I turned the golf court around and I started to head home. And about that time, the Holy Spirit spoke to my heart and says, you know how to do that. Why don't you turn around and go help him? So he turned around and he helped him. He showed him how it was supposed to be done. I think they ended up putting like 30 fence posts in that afternoon. Why? Because God had done something in his heart. And he knew that God wanted him to do something good for someone else. Another story is uh, we have an elder in our church who absolutely loves to spend his time helping people that are less fortunate. Matter of fact, on his days off, you'll find him, a lot of times, you'll find him at Reality and Truth, helping the homeless. He'll spend time working with Stella's Voice, which is another ministry opportunity that we have in our church that helps uh, orphans and helps people in, that are uh, less fortunate than us. A couple of years ago, he befriended a, someone who was homeless in our area and just began to spend time visiting him and encouraging him and ministering to him. And that guy is no longer homeless. He has an apartment. He's been reconnected with his family. He's a productive member of society. And you ask him, why do you do these things? He'll say, God changed my life. I'm no better than them. And God showed mercy on me. God showed me love. How can I show love to others? And when I tell these stories and it reminds me and it challenges me, what stories do I have? Do I have times where I've lived out my faith by the way I've treated other people? Have I felt the Holy Spirit and God's voice speak to me? To sacrifice my time, to sacrifice my comfort, to serve someone else. Because if I'm really going to uh, be a reflection of Jesus, if I'm really going to imitate Him in everything that I do, then this is how it plays out. We give of ourselves to others because He gave of Himself for us. That is faith. It's faith being put in to action. Here's a note on our outline. When we care for those less fortunate, we are demonstrating our love for Jesus. Remember in this story when Jesus says, "When you've done it to the very least of these, you've done it unto me." Proverbs 19:17 says, "Whoever is kind to the poor and lend, whoever is kind to the poor lends to the Lord." And he will reward them for what they have done. Here's a life application for you and me. Therefore, whenever we have the opportunity, we should do good to everyone. Whenever we have the opportunity, we ought to do good to everyone. As Christians, we ought to be known as the most helpful, loving, caring people on the planet. That should be part of our nature, because it's the nature of the one that we follow. You know, one thing I love about Centerpoint is that we, we do try to find ways to help people that are less fortunate. We do try to go out of our way and show the love of God. Now, a lot of the ways we do that is by going on mission trips. When you came in, you were given a bulletin. Inside that bulletin is a, is a list of all the uh, mission trips that we have for 2017. If you've never been on a mission trip, and you want to start seeing your faith put into action, I want to encourage you to go on a mission trip. I don't care if it's foreign. I don't care if it's local. Most of the time we go on a mission trip is to help people that are less fortunate than us. To show them the love of Jesus. Here's another thing that we can, insight that we can gain from this story, this parable. And that's that each one of us will stand before God one day. And our lives will be examined and judged. Every one of us. Listen to what Romans 14.10-12 says. Remember, we will all, you can underline, circle the word all. We will all stand before the judgment seat of God. For the scripture says, as surely as I live, says the Lord, every knee will bend to me and every tongue will declare allegiance to God. Yes, each of us will give a personal account to God. 2 Corinthians says, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, and each one may receive his due for the things done in the body, whether good or bad. None of us will escape standing before Jesus, where our lives will be examined, and all of us will have an account for our faith being put into action. And whether our faith was put into action or not, And I know when I stand before Jesus that day, this is my prayer. I pray this a lot. Lord, when I stand before you, I want you to hear him say, Well done, my good and faithful servant. My good and faithful servant. You were like a sheep who recognized my voice, who listened to me, who obeyed and followed the things that I had for your life. Here's a life application for us this morning. Examine yourself to see if your faith is genuine. Test yourself. Surely you know that Jesus Christ is among you. If not, you have failed the test of genuine faith. We need to examine ourselves. We need to ask ourselves, what stories will... Those that know us, what stories will they tell about us? I mean, if someone was to examine your life, could they say, man, he put his faith into action by this. He lived out his faith and he was like Jesus in this way. We ask ourselves, do we have stories? Because here's what I know. That God is not going to judge us on how much we know about Him, how much Scripture we know, how much knowledge we have about God. He's going to judge us on whether we put that knowledge into practice. Good intentions don't mean a lot. We all know that. Are we living out our faith? This is not on your outline, but I want you to jot down Matthew seven somewhere around verse twenty in that area. Jesus says this he says that you can know you 'll know a good tree because a good tree can only produce good fruit. A bad tree can only produce bad fruit in the same way you can identify people by their actions are our actions living up? And lining up with our faith. 2 Thessalonians 1.11 says, So we keep on praying for you. Asking our God to enable you to live a life worthy of His call. Underline that. To live a life worthy of His call. Lord, I want to live a life worthy of your call. I want to live to be a faithful follower of Jesus Christ. May He give you the power to accomplish all the good things your faith prompts you to do. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. When I hear the voice of my Father say, think of other people first, and I put that into action, my faith is activated and it pleases our Father. Will you pray with me? Father, I ask this morning that, Lord, as we examine our lives, Lord, we've just said a bunch of words to make ourselves feel secure. Lord, are we living a life that the people around us can say, That's a follower of Jesus. He does the things that Jesus did. He has the same heart as Jesus. He's so grateful for what Jesus has done in his life. He's totally surrendered his time, his energy, his comfort to serve other people. Father, I'm asking, Lord, that to be said of me. Just for a moment, Just for a moment, examine your heart. Ask yourself do I have stories that people could tell about me, of my faith being put in action? And then ask the Father what He wants you to do. Just like a sheep can hear His Master's voice from a far away, from a far distance. Holy Spirit, help us to have ears to hear what our Father is saying right now. Father, how can we activate our faith? Don't want to go do just a bunch of good stuff, just... I feel guilty. Holy Spirit, we want to hear what you're saying to us. We want to acknowledge you in all of our ways so that you'll point us in the right direction. Father, we thank you for our time together this morning. Lord, I pray that you would change the way that we live based on your scriptures. We pray that in Jesus' name. Amen.